0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Pop and Schlock. We've got a fun episode this week as we are joined by friend of the show, science expert Ryan Terry, as we take a look at the film Barbarian, now streaming on HBO Max. We've been wanting to cover this one, and everything just sort of lined up the way it needed to, and so here we are. As always, remember to like, subscribe, and rate on your platform of choice, and be sure to check out patreon.com slash to find out how you can support the show even further with our special subscriber tiers. One last thing before we get into the episode, we have some content warnings as the film does lean into some disturbing territory. Mentions of bodily dismemberment, rape, torture, and some foul language are involved, and we're not here to upset anybody, so turn back now if you aren't prepared for that sort of material. And with that out of the way, here's episode number 19, Barbarian. Now that we have all the audio issues figured out, we can start. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. Uh, Slight change in plans from last week. We were going to be covering the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio adaptation, but then we realized that that is not available in our country. So we had to pivot, and now we're going to talk about one of those films that we've been saying we'd like to talk about but didn't think we'd have a chance to talk about it. We're talking about Barbarians, so strap in because... uh,
1: Yeah. We have a lot to talk about here because we always have a lot to talk about.
0: Probably more than usual with something like this. Um, Especially
1: because we have a special guest. Yeah,
0: we manifested this last week, I think. So, um, how how did
2: that happen?
1: Because we talked about you. Yeah, we.
0: We we invoked your name several times, and now uh, we have uh, science expert Ryan Terry back on the program with us to, to discuss
1: science on us.
2: I mean, there's there are several forms of science present in this
1: film. Uh, I will uh,
0: take your word for it. Um,
1: I want you to talk about the or, or or
2: rather that are not present in this film.
0: <laughs> that's far more accurate.
1: <laughs> We're only going to be talking about the one scene, and that's it.
2: Just won the entire, you know. You, you probably could there. You know that's an that's an interesting idea. Just do a complete cinephile di, a dissection of it from a <laughs> an, an entire movie length, an entire movie length analysis of all the camera angles and of the detailed shot composition. And uh, I guess if you're spending a whole movie, you could go into the CGI present.
1: Well, specifically, we want you to talk about the physics.
0: Yeah. that's yeah that's that's why you're here
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not cinematography expert ryan terry
0: yeah
2: well nobody ever asked me to ask i could be just don't ask
0: yeah that's 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 on our that's on us that's on us yeah it
2: really is
1: well cinematography expert ryan terry <laughs>
0: uh before we get into the the episode proper we'll uh we'll go ahead and preface this um because i feel like it needs to be stated um this is a movie that your enjoyment of it will largely depend on how much you know about it going in and i will be 100% honest you as a viewer need to go into this film completely blind um so if you have not seen this film Go check it out before you listen to this podcast because we are going to get into the nitty gritty. We are going to get into the details of it. And I don't want to spoil anything for anybody because the shock value of certain twists and turns within this movie are really what sell it or sold it for me. And I feel like I don't want to deprive anybody of that. So it's if you just, have not seen it, go do fuckery. that real quick.
1: It's boundless fuckery. Wait, am I being recorded? Yes, you are. Oh, weird! I'm not seeing a line with my. I can see.
0: Uh... I can see your line. You're um.
1: Okay. You're a little
0: low, but uh, I can. I can still. Uh, I can still hear you.
1: Okay, I just am gonna have to scream then.
0: <laughs> As I'm on my,
1: I'm on my computer, not on my uh, not in my booth.
0: Uh, okay, well that makes sense. Okay.
2: All U- right. U- ultimately, ultimately, yeah. There's this. This movie does, in fact, take take turns. Um. It makes it makes moves. It,
0: uh, <laughs> That's it one way things. of putting it. That's one way <laughs> of putting it. So, um, I've been wanting to watch this movie for, for quite some time, uh, largely because uh, I've se- just seen people talking about it almost nonstop. Um, this has been a very good year for uh, sort of out of left field horror releases that people won't stop talking about. Um, And I feel like with a lot of them, I'm late to the party. Um, I still have not seen uh, any of the Thai West. I have not seen X or Pearl. That's probably next up on my, uh, on my queue, but uh, barbarian has been on my radar for quite some time. Uh, And a lot of people were hyping this up as quote, the best horror movie they've seen all year. Um, I don't know if it necessarily attains those heights But it is entertaining as all get out. And before the show started, I was talking to Meredith and I said that the closest comparison I can get in terms of where it took me as a a viewer was uh, the same way that we felt about Malignant last year, where you get to the big, I guess it would be the third act twist and it's just completely goes off the rails in a completely different direction than you would have expected. And... Brian
1: didn't seem malignant, but I do think that that is a very apt comparison yes
0: yeah so uh,
2: i don't see i don't see a whole ton of horror movies yeah uh, i i like them I like them just fine, but they have a ten i'm I'm not generally a fan of the direction that horror has kind of gone recently, where it's one of two things either jump o Rama or uh basically a look at this really gross thing for an hour and a half. (laughs) And 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 that's kind of like something that I think those are both, I think, fairly easy ways to make the audience get uncomfortable and think that they've seen a good horror movie. But I just am not a fan of either. Um, I think it's very possible to do effective horror without having those crutches. Uh, It's simply much more difficult. Uh, I, I mean, and honestly, while this movie did have a few jump scares in it, I don't think it leaned too heavily on that crutch. I, I think you kind of have to have at least one or two just so that the audience knows that, you know, they're in a horror movie. <laughs> but Well, yeah,
0: that was uh, that was one I, of the things that uh, I thought the film did very, very well was the the way that it built and then cut and then would cut through tension only to build it up again. I thought this was, this film did a very good job of that. A lot of that was the effective use of jump scares in certain areas. And then in other parts, the lack of jump scares. Um, and then well, like, just the way some, that it played with uh, the, the way that it played with light, especially in the tunnel sequences was very, very effective at building tension.
1: Something yeah. that you mentioned to Jake is that you could tell that this was directed by a comedian. Yes. Because, because of that, that rhythm.
0: Right. Um, so the the film starts out, and it's sort of in familiar territory of we. And this is why I say that it's very, very effective a very, very effective film if you don't know anything about it going in. Um, so we're introduced uh, to the basically the setup of the film where our lead character Tess uh, shows up to an Airbnb that is that she ostensibly has reserved for herself, and somebody is already in there, um, yeah. and. The person who is residing in the Airbnb is Bill Skarsgård, uh, and just based off of what we've seen of him as a performer in other films, we immediately are put on guard as an audience. We're like, okay, Pennywise is in the freaking house.
2: Yeah, it's like, listen, if you show up to your Airbnb and it's already occupied by Pennywise, you just you're like, we just well, leave. this is a lost cause. I'm I'm going home. Uh, so point one that she should have left. Pennywise was in her was was in her Airbnb. Uh, but you know, we'll we'll excuse it. He hadn't put on his clown makeup yet, so
1: but you know maybe, what? maybe
2: it, his egg got rejected.
1: This whole thing could have also been avoided if you just didn't use Airbnb to B to begin with.
0: Yeah, there is that.
1: Oh god, it's not it's not regulated. It's so uh,
0: Yeah. Uh, Airbnb is uh just it's it's killing the housing market. There's so many different reasons why Airbnb is terrible, but we don't need to dive too much into that because while i i at first i thought that was going to be the social commentary of the film almost in its entirety (laughs) was it's just it was just going to be like a like a slash and burn against airbnb because i I feel like it's very timely but
1: especially especially in detroit where a lot of people have been uh evicted from their homes by the city so that their homes could be given to artists
0: right and that was something that came into play uh early on in the film where we were talking about uh, the the character of tess was there to interview with the director who was sort of uh making a documentary about that very phenomenon um about the the artist industry in uh in greater the greater detroit area so i mean i thought that was kind of where they were going that this was going to be sort of an indictment of like the airbnb culture and what it does to a city and then it took other turns. Many other turns. Um, so
1: many.
0: So, oh, so many. And it's the, the first, I would say the first third of the film where we're focused, uh, where uh, Bill Skarsgård's Keith is a central figure. Um, it's sort of establishing this idea of what it means for a woman to identify, recognize, and then uh, kind of blow past red flags. And... Bill Skarsgård did such a good job of subverting his usual presence in, I mean, he, he looks, I hate to, I hate to come across as like, it's like, Oh, he's, you know, Oh, he's not attractive or whatever. Cause I know there are people that are into Bill Skarsgård, but he presents an image of somebody who's just a little off and, and, he came across as you know very self-effacing and he seemed like a like a nice individual but at the same time the setup that we're given where you know it was this wasn't even subtext it was kind of put into text at that point um if the roles were reversed and it was a man coming to the door in the middle of the night in the rain uh there's no way the woman would let him in because they're you're as a woman, you're constantly on your guard. Meredith, you've spoken about this in the past about uh, just how you constantly have to be on edge all the time in all situations.
1: Yeah. And And that's that's why I don't, that's why I don't do Airbnb. That's why I can't with Airbnb. Like hotels are at least regulated. Right. Um, You know, and I, I can be alone and, you know, there's enough people milling around to where if something happened and someone broke in, it would be very easy to, to prevent and spot. So, yeah, no, ah, so much safer in a hotel. Like, Ryan and Ryan and I watched it together and he could tell you that the whole time. I was like, ah, this is why you don't do Airbnb. Ah, hotels are regulated. Ah, ah. No, I'm not going to victim blame. I'm not going to victim blame at all but i was yeah it's like, such it's
0: such a good setup for a horror film it really yeah. is like and it, it speaks to like the modern condition of what what constitutes a scary situation um mm-hmm. and i i liked in that first third where you saw uh you saw keith sort of slowly recognizing the red flags that he was presenting to tess like he was like o- originally very oblivious to exactly what sort of a creepy vibe he was presenting. And then you get to the point where he's like, I would like to have this glass of wine with you, but I wanted to make sure that you came in and saw me open this bottle of wine so that you know that it has not been tampered with so that you can trust me to drink it. Like that slow showing that, okay, despite the presentation of what this looks like, I am indeed a good person. But what's also sort of interesting is, uh, so Tess eventually does uh, at some point, she goes into the basement and discovers secret door. Um, and I absolutely loved that her first reaction to the door opening, she looks into the darkness. Nope. Like nope. very, 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 uh, very nope. you're just like, you're just like, okay, the movie could be over now, but they, yeah, yeah but they found a way to make, they found a way to make it work. I love that she sort of engineered a way to, use a mirror to get some light into the darkness. Um, It was,
2: and and should have seen absolutely nothing that was encouraging (laughs) and turned around and left.
0: And so she, so Tess, you know, she goes into the basement, she finds the secret door. They, she, you know, her curiosity uh, isn't what gets the better of her. It's basically the fact that she doesn't really have that much of an other choice other than to go through this door. And, when she finds the, uh, like for lack of a better tune term, the rape room that is in this dungeon, this dungeonous tunnel. Um, obviously it freaks her out beyond compare. And that is the natural reaction that someone should have. And yeah. I love how that's flipped around in the, uh, the, the middle third, uh, which we'll get to in a minute, but, whenever Tess goes back upstairs and she is met with Keith again, Keith, despite the fact that he's aware of the red flags that he's projecting and how, uh, this situation has made Tess feel previously, she's trying to get the hell out of there and he's trying to stop her. And he like, it's just, it's almost like ingrained in him. It's almost just, you know, there's, something that it's speaking to about gender politics that he's, you know, you can tell he's very much into this girl. He doesn't quite take whatever it is that she's seen seriously enough that uh, he can understand her desire to flee. He's trying to be like, no, no, stay, stay, stay because he's being selfish because that's all he knows. Um, And so, you know, he goes down into the darkness and eventually, you know, disappears into that darkness. And because I mean, Tess knows that what is down there is bad, and she understands that she needs to get out of there, but we see that she has this ingrained empathy, this sort of like, she is a good person, she's not going to let this just go. She looks past all the obvious red flags of danger and descends into that darkness, and that's, we get into the the basically the climax of the first third of the film, where uh, a... For lack of a better term, uh, naked troglodyte woman comes out of the darkness and smashes Bill Skarsgård's head against the wall, and I had no—I had the same reaction that I did last week for uh, for Halloween Ends. Whenever uh, Jeremy's head bounced off the floor at the beginning of Halloween <laughs> Ends, laughed. I just—it was—it was just stupid, surprised laugh. It wasn't terror. It was, what am I watching? It was it was utter shock to the system, which in some instances, like, that's what horror is supposed to do. It's supposed to override your natural reflex and sort of put you in a different place. And this movie did that. I'm not entirely sure what the reaction I was supposed to get was, um, but
1: I think my first Harry- reaction... I think a lot of very well, what the fuck? Yeah.
0: Probably yeah, I th- the
1: best reaction.
2: No, I, I think yeah, I think what the fuck's a reasonable reaction. And ultimately, yeah, Tess has an a borderline terminal case of gotta be the hero, which frankly, like Tess at at, cer- at certain points in this movie <laughs> lost me a little bit in the uh, in the protagonist set. Like like lady, listen ain't nothing good down that hole stop going back in there
0: yeah it's it's there there were a lot of oh please don't open that door moments in this film and i feel like with certain types of horror movies you have to have that and i feel like this is kind of one of them where if you don't suspend your disbelief a
2: movie there's stuff being a movie yeah like i told
1: like i told ryan i was like they have to make bad decisions because otherwise it's not horror and right. yet, at the same I, I guess time, it's,
2: it's, so sometimes though you have they have to make a good decision for you to have a desire for them to get out of it. Like the the, the so and and I did, it I didn't quite go that far, but there there is a certain point when. You know, when you see that guy who, you know, picks up a fork, he then licks his fork, he then looks at the light socket. He then st- it's like at a certain point I've stopped feeling sympathy for this man because everything that everything that he is about to do has one inevitable conclusion he is deliberately putting himself towards. And,
0: and at I, a feel like, point, I, f- I feel like I feel like that's kind of- and I feel like that's what the the middle third of this film does really really well because in the first third you really you do care about Tess you're like oh please yeah. god don't do that why why would you do that you poor sweet thing and then the the second the the, the second part of the film where we're introduced to Justin Long's character AJ it is mm-hmm. the polar opposite from the moment we meet this man yeah. we we want to see him destroyed yep. because he is a terrible human being, the absolute <laughs> yeah. worst of the worst. And yeah. I love the casting of Justin Long because Justin Long does a really, really good job of playing like the doe eyed puppy dog, like lost in the rain look kind of thing. Like he's so unassuming. And so for him to play this utter embodiment of toxic bullshit It was absolute,
1: and it was great casting because of how convinced he was that he was the good guy the entire time.
0: Because I have done nothing
1: wrong. He he wants to they they weaponize his his law, but I'm just a little guy. They weaponize the hell.
0: Exactly. They did such a good job with that because we're introduced to him on a he's he plays an actor out in California. He's the first time we meet him, he's on a conference call with his agents where they've informed him that there's a sexual abuse allegation against him. And we slowly see his life start to deteriorate. As a result, he goes to Detroit because that's where his rental property is. And the, the moment where we really, we really get to understand exactly what he is, is he's in Detroit. He's on the phone with his mother We obviously see that he has a strained relationship with his father because his mother says something about the lines of, oh, me and your dad would love to see you. And he's like, oh, did dad really say that? So we know that there's a strained relationship with his parents. And then he cuts off that call with his mom to answer a phone call from one of his buddies saying, oh, it's an important business call. And what's he do? He, you know, apologies for the phrase, but I'm quoting here. He said, what's up, faggot? That total yep. frat boy bullshit, like alpha Chad, whatever. And yep. it tells you everything you need to know about him right then and there with that one piece of dialogue. They follow it up by showing us talking to his friend in the bar where he basically casually admits to rape. Yep. And, and the can- uh, you
2: you kind of get the you kind of get the impression too that maybe his friend called him you don't see it happen but you get the impression his friend might have called him on it
1: oh yeah mm-hmm. because of the apology cuz he after- he
2: goes back and is kind of like and and that's and and he starts making a uh likely a legally unsound phone call to <laughs> um to uh the victim of his assault and apologizing uh constantly and uh, looking like he's about to break into tears, semi-unprompted. Maybe he's a little drunk, but you, you get, you get the idea that maybe his buddy's like, dude, you, uh, you, you might've, Ugh.
0: well, that's what's what's sort of interesting about the way that Justin Long's character is played throughout the course of this is they sort of bait and switch you. They give you like to, in the third act, they give you the, like, he goes heel to face and then right back to heel again so mm-hmm. quickly Um, that you would wonder why they didn't cast Paul White in that particular role. Um, (laughs) Deep cut joke. Um, So, yeah, uh, they do a good job of keeping him sort of ambiguous. But at the same time, he comes across as terrible enough in his personality that whenever he descends into the darkness beneath the Airbnb, you're like, okay, yeah, he deserves this. Um, And it's a total contrast with Tess, who you wanted to see get out of there, but at the same time, Justin Long is such a sleazeball, ball, just ultimate scum of the earth, that you as a viewer, you're like, yeah, I can't wait to see him get what's coming to him, and there is some thematic weight to the fact that, you know, this is somebody who has a sexual assault allegation uh, placed against him, and then he is Forcibly uh, made to put uh, someone's teat in their mouth. Yeah, um, I, I, I think that noticed was. That. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I'm not saying that this film is subtle. Um, nobody could ever accuse this film of being subtle, but it does do little things very, very well. Um, there were little things that I found ultimately very unnerving and the attention to detail I appreciated such as, um, so when the, when, when the mother lowers the baby bottle into the pit where she has Tess and AJ kept just the fact that there's just this, this straggly hair on the nipple was just so disgusting and gross. Um, and I really did appreciate the atmosphere that was put into this because, um, it's it reminded me equal parts of the Buffalo Bill sections of Silence of the Lambs and then also the claustrophobia of something like The Descent um and that that melding made it very very effective um I also liked that the film sort of leaned into the whiplash of changing with the acts so uh, oh, immediately yeah. after immediately after Bill Skarsgård gets his head cracked against a wall, we jump cut to the introduction of a j um and then and at that we point had
1: we were also convinced that that chess has died
0: yes, like
1: or at least it, you would
0: have. not yeah, you would not be remiss in thinking, oh, we're just on to the next victim or something um it well, did that she's like,
2: significantly worse off than you end up finding out she is
0: yeah, um. I was expecting to find a body in the second or third act, um, but what that, has...
2: it's notable that you don't. We, we never find uh, Monsieur uh, Skarsgård's corpse, which is uh, g- given given that um, which raises interesting questions. That given it's, it seems relatively unlikely that uh, this lady was able to go shopping at the at the nearby grocery mart. Exactly how they stay fed has Reasonable implications.
1: Well, no, she goes out in the middle of the night, so she probably raids stores. To,
2: yeah, goes out in the middle of the night to, well, to your local try and save.
0: Well, apparently, according to the director, there was a scene that they filmed but cut where wow. uh, the mother uh, chews up and feeds, uh, I believe it was a rat, almost like baby bird style to Justin Long. Um wow. Which I bet you cut...
1: had so much fun filming that scene.
0: Yeah. Ju- What's funny is, uh, you know, Justin Long actually has a pretty good uh, horror movie pedigree between Tusk, Jeepers Creepers, this, and Drag Me to Hell. Um, he has a pretty good horror movie pedigree. Um, I don't know, he
1: was also the Mac.
0: <laughs> which, um... Compared
1: to John Hodgman, I mean...
0: Huh? Yeah, well, it's and it was... I, I loved um, that he just try, when he finds Tess's uh, MacBook and tries like one random password, it doesn't work, and he gives up. I absolutely yeah. love that. <laughs>
1: that was um, great. And I mean, that was I, great. Tried, I, I had he forgotten he tries about
2: password
0: Tess. and Tess tosses it.
1: I'd forgotten about Tusk. Uh, I, I forgot about that movie. We didn't hate it either. That's what I thought was weird. We we didn't
2: hate it. He has, he has, he has a weird thing of uh, being abducted by people who want
0: to turn him into something else.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Absolutely. Um, and so, but getting back to that, you know, we, he does such a good job of playing this scumbag, this person who's absolutely detestable and none of that is more apparent than when he, when, okay. Contrasting with the way that Tess discovered the rape dungeon, um, AJ discovers the Rape Dungeon and immediately Googles, can I add this to the square footage of my B&B listing? Pulls out the tape measure and is just trying to ascertain the square footage of these tunnels. And I was losing it laughing at this point.
2: Yeah, that that was hilarious. And I've got got some bad news for you, Justin, or AJ. Absolutely no increase in square footage is affecting the resale value of that house. Fucking look at that neighborhood, (laughs) y'all. And, Holy shit!
0: And that's that's another thing is you know uh we try not to harp on the believability of horror movies because you just either roll with it or you don't. But that cavern that cavernous <laughs> system beneath that neighborhood, it would have taken decades <laughs> to well, they
1: have, effectively had decades. They had decades.
0: But it's one man,
1: one man no, 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 to make.
2: No. She, I'm sure she chipped in. <sighs>
1: Plus, Child. I mean, well, so
2: you listen. She lifts. Definitely. Okay. So, but yeah. The and and, the un- and one of her
0: descendants is the Kool Aid Man. So, like the, the ungodly gorilla strength of the mother was just absolutely uh, equal parts terrifying and hilarious, and I, I enjoyed every really minute of it. Strange
1: because if you're like, I always thought that like incest made you very frail.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, it's what's funny is, um, so I don't know if either of you've seen uh, the film Bone Tomahawk. Have either of you I watched have. that? It's
1: been a very long time though. but I've nah. seen it.
0: Yeah, that that I feel like um, there was a similar uh, a similar vibe there in terms of like uh, the more regressive you are, the stronger you are. Like the more regressed your genes are. Well, yeah, uh, apparently, is- you had
1: bone tomahawk they came across what was basically like Neanderthals
0: yeah essentially oh, I,
1: I, I can't remember was it Neanderthals or was it just super racist or was it both
0: I believe they were They were meant to be uh, like a forgotten tribe of Neanderthal people Um okay. that's what I thought just isolated out there in the wilderness um, whereas this it was just it's like look at the power of inbreeding um <laughs> yeah as and let's let's talk a little bit. So uh the the father figure, who was apparently a serial rapist and serial murderer in the eighties, um, played by uh a man who I have only ever seen him play the worst people in the world. Um, going back to I think the first time I saw him was he played uh Joe Chill in Batman Begins.
1: Oh my god, and you're right. He
0: also yes um he also uh was the actor who played the Night King in, in Game of Thrones like he's he just shows up time and time well, again was he the Night King? yes wow. uh shows up time and time again to play horrible terrible people but this had to be the peak in terms of just how disturbing uh the character was so he was a serial rapist and murderer and he was he kept a record vid- VHS record of all of these rapes and murders that he committed. And the most disturbing part of it was the labels because they just said things like junkie redhead at the gas station. One said pregnant. It was just utterly, utterly disturbing. And there was at one point, uh, whenever, uh, Tess was able to escape and Justin Long was left behind. Uh, she's saved by a random homeless man out on the street. And this, the homeless man says, you can't go back in there she's not even the worst thing down there, alluding to the father.
1: Him. Yeah, that's um, kind of when I figured that he was going to be there. at the
0: too. time, at the time, whenever he drops that line, I thought it was going to be something more in terms of, it's like, oh, there's something scarier, something see? more violent. But
1: Jake, that's the thing that I think that I picked up on because being a woman, I was like, I bet the worst thing is the rapist.
0: Right. Yeah. Listen.
2: There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that house that a good charge of C4 ain't gonna solve. Let's just (laughs) put something down there.
1: What is what is worse? What is worse than than the mother is the father that made her, and that's that's exactly what I picked up on. I was like, that's the thing that's worse than her. That's what's scarier than her because to me, he is ten times more terrifying than the mother. I would rather have the mother squish out my eyes and tear my my head in half than go through anything that those those victims were put through by the father. Like, I would rather be dead
0: yeah. than and, have and I be do, tortured the
1: way that he tortured them.
0: And I do want to give the film credit for not showing that aspect yeah. of it. Uh, um, yeah. It's played, it's played off-screen.
1: They didn't need to. It's played off-screen.
0: Like, we hear the videotape, but we don't see it. Which... You know, there's that old adage of it's the the image that your mind creates is so much more terrifying than anything that can be shown. And the thing
1: is, too, like the reason why AJ probably didn't think that he was a rapist, even though he raped somebody, is that that's what he thought rape was. Right. When rape can be so many, rape is exactly like what he had described it as, where he's like, "Well, she said no, a lot, and Mm -hmm. then eventually." she she acquiesced, and that is still rape. But people like him think exactly. that rape is only like what Frank did.
2: And u- ultimately, that precipitates his short short lived face turn there when he kind of sees that, and it looks like that kind of spawns his short term short term remorse, uh, which he kicks off by you know shooting Tess and the shooting Tess in the liver. So there's that. Well, the
0: honestly, like whenever he shoots Tess. I like he shows genuine remorse at that yeah. point because he does realize, Oh shit. I didn't mean to do that. This obviously isn't anyone who posed a danger to me. He was just, it was an act of fear. He was in a flight, yeah. he was in a fight or flight response and he, you know, he screwed up. Um, once they get out of the house and they make it out into the night and they're trying to get away from, you know, the mother who Tess previously thought she had, uh, killed by pinning between the hood of her car and the, uh, and the facade of the house, which apparently was not enough because, and it's, it's so funny because, you know, last week we talked about with Halloween ends that, uh, we did appreciate that for the first time someone was like, Oh, he's not dead enough. We have to put them, put him through a wood chipper. Um, because that's the only way to be sure. Um, of course that wasn't going to be enough to put down this, 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 raging monster that uh, was dwelling in the darkness. So they go out into the night into the slums of industrial Detroit, where they're taken in by the aforementioned hobo. And we get what might be my favorite, my favorite sudden death scene since deep blue sea. (laughs) Where she, she's, she's never come in here before. Me watching Kool
2: Aid Mans through the back wall. It's just—he's
0: just like, oh, she, she's like, I've been here ten long? years. She's never gotten in here. Oh yeah! Smash, crunch, rips rips his arm out of socket and beats him to death with it. It was the, uh, when I say that this movie. <laughs> Uh okay, so this, this podcast has been around next year will be our 10 year anniversary of recording these stupid little episodes in those 10 years I have talked about how I feel like tone is the most important thing that a film can have in terms of consistency to make it work um, this film oscillates in tone so wildly, and yet at the same time that is one of its virtues in terms of I feel like you know we talked about the fact that uh, the director comes from a comedic background. He was one of the um, one of the members of the Whitest Kids, you know. Um, the fact that it oscillates so wildly between extreme violence to building tension to uh, just comedic shitfuckery for no other way, no other way I can describe it um, it it really works in making the film feel fully realized and unique in its own particular way and that the nothing is more clear in the uh, effective use of tonal whiplash than the climax
2: because well yeah i mean the the, mo- the mother operates off looney tunes physics effectively mm-hmm. okay here which, we go i mean oh i mean that's i mean that that's done as a way obviously to make this character make this character threatening because like, for the most part, you wouldn't, like, generally speaking, expect an, emaci- an, an emaciated, <laughs> relatively elderly, <laughs> naked woman to pose much of a threat to grown men and a huge, terrifying movie monster. In order to make her a actual threat to people who are armed with guns, she's got to have absolutely Looney Tunes cartoon strength. Busting through walls, ripping people's arms off and beating them to death with them, uh, playing basketball with Skarsgård's head. Like, basically, this is something that she's uh, bestowed with. She's also able to do the Bugs Bunny swan dive, um, which we find out later on. Very shortly after this scene.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, what's so she beats she beats the hobo to death with his own dismembered arm. uh AJ and Tess escape they run up the side of what I believe is a water tower some industrial uh water tire water tower mm-hmm. type structure they get to the top uh AJ fumbles the gun and it falls over the side which was one of my in terms of horror clichés it was done perfectly yep. because it got the reaction it did out of it was supposed to out of me which was oh come on um yeah. and so in that moment uh justin long decides uh he's like oh i don't have to be faster than her i just have to be faster than you and essentially yeets tess off the side of this water tower which
2: which is which is an interesting decision from a i don't have to be strong faster than the bear i have to be faster than my slowest friend because he's now sped up his slowest friend (laughs) by 9 point eight meters per second squared um that 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 being said, um yeah, I I'm not entirely certain I comprehend the logic unless he really got the psychology of this monster in that moment had the vision of exactly what was because he seemed pretty shocked by what ended up what ended up coming next, which implies that wasn't his master plan um
1: no, <laughs> I'm I don't ter- I don't think he had a master plan. I think he was just thinking for himself.
2: No, yeah, I, I guess it, it would have made more sense if he just chucked her at the at. mom. Yeah, yeah, that would have that but, would but, have made but, sense. But, but he didn't chuck her at the mom. He took her and chucked him behind himself, <laughs> which leads to I, probably guessing, the reason I'm on the show today.
0: Well, I'm guessing it was in his mind, he's thinking of it like, it's like, oh, well, when I throw the ball, my dog goes to fetch. Like maybe that was his thought. Um, it's just like, or or, or or like when Grant throws the flare in Jurassic Park. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. But it, this comes immediately after he has this sort of reflective moment of like, am I a <laughs> yeah. am I a bad guy or am I a good guy who did bad things? And you think that maybe he's like turning over a new leaf? And no. no, he's still a shithead. He threw another human being. <laughs> literally tried to throw her under a bus to save himself yeah. and then yeah
2: i yeah
0: ugh.
2: yeah yeah and and then and yeah and, and one of the most ridiculous movie physics scenes is i will put up with a lot of movie physics i will <laughs> i will
1: <laughs> this is this right here is why we have him on folks just keep going I w- just keep going. Yeah, this
0: this one but, like 45 <laughs> second chunk of the movie no, is why Ryan is it's, here.
1: It's, it's it's the
2: climactic scene of the film in which he takes her yeets her off and <laughs> the mother who's standing on the other side of the water tower at the at the time of the time sees her go off, sprints across the water tower, dives off the water tower. <laughs> swan dives full on bugs but excellent form bugs bunny swan dives down at some point passing tests (laughs) gravity affects the mother quite strongly
0: (laughs) which doesn't make sense to me because like her like okay so gratuitously throughout the movie whenever the mother is chasing someone her uh her saggy dog titties are just flapping in the wind (laughs) So when she yeah. dove off of that tower, you know those things acted like some sort of a parasail, it, it, and yet it
2: somehow all, it all—it all, it all comes down to that swan dive form. It has to compensate yeah, for the saggy titties. Listen, if she,
1: what if she <laughs> held them down? She just held them down.
2: Yeah, I mean, in absence of a sports bra, you just need immaculate diving form. <clears throat> so uh, <laughs> basically, she goes straight, and I'm—I'm I'm only halfway joking. Her dive is on point. She's penciled through the air, going down, grabs Tess, puts herself under Tess, such that she cushions Tess's fall. So, listen. Excellent, excellent movement, excellent form, 10 out of 10 landing. Um, Absolute, like, obviously absolutely impossible.
0: The only way it could have been better is if... The mother had been flattened pancake style like a Looney Tunes character. Yeah.
2: But and it's, it's all, it, all, all of this happens in the time that it takes someone to fall about two stories. <laughs> this it's, is not all that tall of a water tower.
0: <laughs> like, is, you can. It is, it is completely <laughs> and utterly ridiculous. And like, yet, the, it's and not the, far. It's
2: not actually like, I would actually find this less insulting if this thing was like five six seven eight stories up in the air such that like maybe there was a, an amount of fall time going on here but you could actually realistically survive the fall that he chucks her off because it's not actually that high
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing the only thing that would have made that fatal is the fact that she landed on concrete yeah. like Yes. If you laid I, it on grass from that fall you'd pro- you wouldn't be happy about it but you'd probably be fine. Yeah, like people somebody is going to fall that distance um probably Tuesday morning putting up Christmas lights on their house the the day after Halloween. Um and they're, they're going to be fine. They're going to have probably an inconvenient uh, hospital bill but they're they're going to be fine. Whereas you look at it and <laughs> I mean, the, the mother takes the brunt of the fall, cushions Tess, yeah. and Justin Long approaches both of them. And is like I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. It was my only choice. Like, and and of course, right. uh, the of course the mother who uh, ha- is basically Wiley e. Coyote at this point um, is of course still alive and decides to uh, crush his head like a melon, just driving her thumbs into his eye socket and then ripping his head apart. Um, like a ripened avocado. Um, it's just, yeah.
2: I mean, like, it's it's obviously survivable. Look, she survived it. Like,
0: I
1: feel yeah. like this is something that the MythBuster should take on.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. First, can a can a person swan diving with perfect diving form pass a person with outstretched arms <laughs> and foam from a height of approximately twelve feet? <laughs> yeah, I'm it was actually wasn't, clo- it wasn't, actually, uh, actually closer to like it was actually probably closer to twenty or thirty feet.
0: Yeah, it was, <laughs> but maybe it, it was maybe the height of a low highway overpass. Um, yeah, this this, this was
2: a, basically a tall two story house. Like yeah. a, a, a fall, a fall from a fall from my roof would be would be worse than this fall. <laughs> and it's like,
0: and uh, it's it's funny because this is this is a movie that. uh for for the most part doesn't ask you to suspend a whole lot of disbelief until you realize that the mother is absolutely superhuman in, in in her abilities um so i i feel like the way that the mother is presented early on um in terms of like just being this other world Okay. From the moment that she bursts through the concrete wall of the abandoned whatever factory through the end of the film, you have to understand that physics have no place in this world. Because there are a lot of points in this film where you're expected to believe that we are operating in the real world. Like Mm -hmm. when the cops show up and completely ignore everything that Tess is telling them. It's like, That's- oh, okay, yes, that is how the police actually operate. This uh yeah. this young black woman who is covered in dirt in a bad part of town uh, while they are getting
1: Detroit like, specifically.
0: Yeah, while they're getting other calls, yes, they are going to ignore her. That is exactly how that would happen in the real world. Yeah. Um a, th- a little bit a little bit
2: uh I thought it was an interesting choice that they cast the cop to also be black in this particular
1: instance. No, because it still happens. Um,
2: I I know. I just, in terms of like, you you know. Ice Cube sang about this in
0: 1992.
2: Exactly.
1: But yeah, no, (laughs)
0: that's,
1: that, but the thing is. Black police
0: showing out for the white cop.
1: That would still, yeah, that's not, that's not anything notable or interesting. There's a a phrase in the black community. And if I am, uh, if I, if I'm out of my lane by saying this phrase, uh, by all means, you can correct me. Uh, Skinfolk ain't kinfolk, Mm -hmm. Um, and that to me was like was an example of it. The the black cop kind of being like, I don't believe you. I don't care about you. Um,
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of it had to. I mean, it was definitely a major commentary on the gender politics of how we treat sexual assault in this country. Um, In terms of like, in terms of like uh, the the accusation made against AJ probably only mattered because it was coming from somebody who was in a place of privilege yeah. um, as like an actress out in LA. Um, whereas this, this woman escaped a rape murder dungeon in Detroit. It's like, nah, sure. Whatever lady, you're probably just a crazy crackhead. Um, I mean, it's weirdly enough. Um, not, I, I think it was about a week ago that somebody escaped from a uh, from being locked in a closet here in Cypress, Texas, um, and they were beating on doors in the early wee um, early wee hours of the morning. Just you know, not five miles from my own house. Um, so you know this this is a horror movie that plays on the uh, the nature of kind of what is scary in the world today, and yet at the same time it's it's kind of looney tunes with it um I,
1: I remember reading or just having this discussion with somebody um, and then also reading some articles on the subject is a big reason why women you have so many women horror fans is that it's one of the few genres where the things that we're afraid of are taken seriously
0: hmm and I can see that this this film very heavily preys on the idea that um what men and women find terrifying is almost entirely flipped because when Justin Long discovers the cavern, he's like, like, like we said, he grabbed a tape measure and is walking ass backwards into the darkness showing (laughs) no fear whatsoever until, you know, uh, until I
1: also feel like to some extent race also played a, a role in it as well, because I do think that while the police would have probably ignored Tessa, were she a white woman? Or Tess, were she a white woman? I don't think they would have necessarily been as insulting and angry and blamey. They probably would not have called her a crackhead. No. Because crackhead is an extremely racialized term. They probably would have, like I said, I I don't think they would have taken her seriously, but I don't think they would have gone to the lengths to humiliate her.
0: Well, I also think that. I also think that the police would have been far more afraid of a white woman's ability to weaponize her whiteness against the police had she gone to the media. Yeah. There is something implied there. because
1: if, the, if, if Tess had gone to the media, they would have just been like, oh, it's just a crackhead. Or, oh, yeah. she should have, she should have, you know, they would have found ways to victim blame her. Like
0: Yeah, the, like the Tessa, media would have found ways to weaponize Tess's own blackness against her in well, some that, way And
1: also her compassion She didn't go back because she's stupid or reckless She went back because she cared mm-hmm. And that was, that was her motivating factor She didn't do it because she was some kind of daredevil She did it because she felt an obligation to a fellow human
0: Yeah, I'm with you there and been, yeah and i can i can certainly
2: i can certainly understand that desire on it and like trying to go back and like she's the only one who's going to be able to help this I, I i wonder how long just out of curiosity i um uh, do you think the implied time skip is between acts one and two in this film
0: well it seems like the, the As skip... I, I was
2: i was struggling with that a little bit about well, how the time long skip could not
0: have to... been and I'm I'm going to put myself in your lane, Ryan, because uh, the fact that uh, Tess's computer battery did not die in between when she was abducted—that
2: that doesn't tell you that doesn't tell you a whole lot because if your computer's closed, it will last quite a while. Yeah,
1: and not I-
0: my MacBook, damn it! <laughs> you need like a new I, I, my my MacBook I- has approximately maybe forty-eight hours worth of uh of reserve time before it'll die off.
1: Well, it could have been forty-eight
0: hours. My, my dude, your your Macbook's broken. I have a. Uh, <laughs> Don't tell me that the Apple Care expired last year. Damn it! I I l- l- l-
2: let me t- let me tell you this, like Jacob, I have a Macbook that is eleven years old. That's battery is entirely dead, to the point that it almost can't run. But if I charge it to one hundred percent and close it, I can open it up in a month and still have twenty percent power left.
0: Oh god, I gotta you, take this thing. To the genius bar.
2: If, if if yours is dead in forty eight hours, it's fucked in some fundamental <laughs> way, and that is the true horror of this movie for you. I was, sir. I was, about, to, I was
0: about to say, like, <laughs> okay, so like we've we've established that this movie is about the horror that uh, you know that women face and like the the terror that encroaches on their lives every single day and how they have to constantly check themselves and, you know, like look over their shoulder every step of the way, even in situations where maybe they should feel safe. And the horror for me is the fact that, oh no, my laptop died. Oh God, I'm a terrible
2: person. (laughs) Like, oh no, I may have a $150 genius bar
0: trip in my future. meanwhile,
1: Meanwhile, I'm sitting here going, do you people see why I don't use Airbnb?
0: Oh man, and that's why you know we need to put some respect on the horror genre a little bit. Um, and, because and, and, and
2: I hope, let, let me actually pause you for a second there. I actually do give ju- I do actually give AJ uh, AJ a little bit of credit when he found out there was a murder dungeon. He thought about adding it to his Airbnb so at least you'd know ahead of time that you were going into a place with a with a fully fleshed out murder basement. I thought he wasn't. <laughs> Like, and you'd go, like, hey, I can maybe store my suitcase down there.
0: <laughs> and, it's, and also, like, okay, so, like, I'm from Houston, so just the addition of a basement of any kind seems like... is <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like, that shit would flood immediately in Houston, Texas. That's as yes. Looney Tunes is the climax of this film. Like, well, what are you... <laughs> like, I gotta suspend my disbelief because, like... I, a basement is not a thing that we that we have here. Like that's just it doesn't so, happen. So so
1: on the so I my dad was from Chicago, so I spent a lot of time there as a kid. Um, so I'm I'm used to basements. I will only go in a basement if like it's a family member's house. I will not. That and it's it's precisely why it's because I've seen so damn many horror movies. I'm like yeah. nope. Nope, 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 nope,
2: nope, 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 and also nope. So, so one one thing I'd like to go in and not not to not to like pick the movie apart because that's not uh, contrary to that's not what I'm trying to do. That's not what we're here
0: to do on this (laughs) podcast about movies. No,
2: No, but but one thing I did find because and I alluded to this earlier. There are bad neighborhoods. There are real bad neighborhoods. There's horrific neighborhoods. And then there's the neighborhood that this house is in. Yeah, Like, like you, you go in. Every single house is condemned, collapsed. And one sitting in Im- relatively immaculate amongst it is this house, which looks fine. And like my my question is. How precisely is that the case? Is she? Is this? Is the mom out there at night, fucking refreshing the cone <sighs> of paint? <laughs> and just like, like, because well, it's fucking obvious Justin Long ain't doing it. It's obvious the, the the property managers ain't doing it. They they hang up on Justin Long. Like nobody's out there dealing with this house. We know it's occupied. Are they out there keeping this thing up?
0: And what's funny? Because is, like, I want
2: to. I want to see that. <laughs> like just and them out there <laughs> right, my paint the, uh, and repairing my roof
0: when we're introduced to when we're introduced to Frank our serial murderer rapist um like his neighbor <laughs> is
1: starting.
0: his neighbor is like well i'm 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 going to go ahead and move because this neighborhood's going to shit and this, at the same time he's talking <laughs> to Frank it looks
2: like pleasantville the neighborhood yeah, looks like Pleasantville at this point by the way. They say it's going to shit. Every, at, at that point in time, it know, literally looks like a parody 80s you know, Pleasantville. Yeah, film. but you
1: know why? It's because it's the 80s in Detroit. Yeah, 100%. I mean, okay. No, no hang on. Hang. When they say this neighborhood is going to shit that is code for people who yeah. aren't white are going to be living here. And being that it's Detroit, chances are what they were saying was we're going to have black neighbors. We better leave. Like, and that is all the while, era.
0: Frank's neighbor is talking to him while wearing a jumpsuit that says the name Carlos on it, and he never cottons to it.
1: Yeah, his,
2: like, his neighbor Frank is wearing a.
1: Carlos oh no! Jumpsuit, but you know so. why? You know, I there is probably a reason for it. Is that it's oh. that very Midwest? Oh, that's not my business. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say anything because it's just not my business. Oh, that's a that's a personal thing. They're going to have to, you know, they deal with that on their own. If those people had known that there was a rape murder dungeon, that would have probably been exactly their response. They wouldn't have. Oh, gee,
0: really? This neighborhood really is going to shit. They really should have set this thing yeah. in Minnesota.
1: <laughs> but they they would have absolutely just ignored it and be like, you know what? That's their business. They'll they'll handle it themselves.
0: Right. And it's just. A, oh, it's just a,
1: no, I, I hate how right that is because it's like the 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 more we dig into this, the more it's like, see how fucking dark the world really is.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, good horror when it works, um, it needs to play into reality a little bit. Like the monster um, that the mother was, like, I mean, the, the real monster here is, you know, the devaluation of land values in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's a personific.
0: You know there are monsters
2: that represent many things in society.
1: The <laughs> Zombies
2: are off. Zombies are often seen to, re- to represent the majority in the mob, moving moving forward and constantly consuming without mind of what's going on. Here we see the mother representing Detroit losing all oh. property values.
0: Oh man. <laughs> the f- um,
1: and gentrification.
0: Oh. Gentrification uh, well, look, is the real monster. That,
2: I I mean, uh, say say what you will that 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 uh that neighborhood was a lot of things. I wouldn't describe it as gentrified.
0: No, I
1: know. I know. No, it definitely
0: <gasps> wasn't.
2: <laughs> it was. It was not that.
0: No, uh. this is this is this is not like when they built that H E B on Shepherd here in Houston. Like that is not that is not ex that is not what is going on. Oh lord.
2: Yeah, uh, but I mean, I mean, maybe she, maybe she does shop at the, at the near at the nearby. That's what I'm thing. saying. Yeah. She,
1: she uh. might just rob it at night if there, there's nobody there. She just locks up, breaks in every night, and they're just like, "Well, what do you expect? It's the neighborhood."
2: Probably, probably just orders DoorDash.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Like, this is my off topic, but what's really sad is that, like, this, and I, I'm sure they probably did it on purpose, but this is what, like, Fox News and everything is telling everybody that all cities look like and are like now. Um, and I, I I can't help but wonder if that is some kind of commentary I feel uh, like it, it
0: has to be. Like they
1: always use they always use Chicago and Detroit as like the big scary places, which is so weird living in Houston, which has one of the higher, it, it has a higher crime rate than Chicago. Uh, but Chicago is the one that's always brought up as like, oh, look at how horrible crime is here. And then you've got other cities like Chicago. I don't even think is in the top 30 most dangerous places in the States. Uh, I do it think is Detroit because, is up there, but like Houston, like Houston is higher.
0: And it's funny because I was just talking about this with Tori because like we're in a, we're in an election cycle. So they're going to play like crime as a boogeyman whenever I, I like, if you look at the crime data for Harris County in particular, um, stuff has been going down. It's been trending down, but it's yeah. an election year. So we've got to scare the old white people.
1: Right. Um, and this is so, like old white people that have never set foot in a city. Think that all cities look like that.
0: Yeah. But I mean, we're like coming to the end of our, uh, we're coming to the end of our hour. So we need to kind of wrap things up here. But I, I, I feel like this plays on the fear of what, expectation is for, there there's a lot at play here let's just be honest
1: yeah
2: yeah it's it's a like yeah the the movie definitely goes in uh pretty hard on its uh on its themes it's uh its tone may may have not quite so much <laughs> but um def, definitely something that i i think is is worth is worth a watch uh second fate second favorite horror movie of the year actually what, no probably third what was your, what but it actually has been a good year for them
1: what were your first two favorite like i know that yeah what what were your first two favorite i mean
2: there are the other two that we've seen together this year uh i i would i, I would have put it below i've seen
1: so many horror movies this year I, I would
2: put it, i would put it below both bodies 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 and Prey.
0: and i would put this i mean my my favorite horror movie of the year so far has been nope um and this comes in below that just in just on personal preference I, but your mileage might be i, I haven't
1: seen,
2: I, yeah i i liked i liked nope better than uh, well I, I think i might have liked this one a little bit
1: more than Nope. i um i still haven't seen pearl but i i did see i did see x and i feel like i should probably watch both and rank them together as a unit since they're meant to function as a unit
0: and we're also getting a third entry in that universe as yeah. well with Maxine,
1: and it's supposed to be a different. It's supposed to be a different horror genre than the other two, because the other two are slashers. Yeah. Um, very curious. I liked X. I liked X quite a bit. It's actually available at the Houston Public Library. Um, well, recently, I have no
0: excuse not to watch it now. Yeah.
1: Recently, A twenty four did a double header of both X and Pearl, but it was on a. It, you could watch it streaming but it was on a Thursday night where I have, when I have rehearsal
0: uh,
1: because I'm, I'm directing a sketch and a sketch show. My sketch production class uh, is doing a recital as it were. And uh, I'm, I'm not in a sketch, but I, I wrote and directed one. Uh, And so Thursday nights are my rehearsal and it just happened to be the night they had X and Pearl double headed. And I was like, no, I'm going to miss it. So uh, I've only had a chance to see Pearl, not Pearl X. Uh, X was fantastic. Uh, it takes place um, in Houston. Hmm. Good chunks of it do. It starts off in Houston, and then the rest of it takes place uh, just outside of it. Um, it's it's it, I'm I'm very surprised at how well a man from Delaware <laughs> was able to, to to pick up on the as oh a man from Delaware shooting in New Zealand was able to make it look like Houston in the, in the uh, <laughs> 1979. Uh, it was a good movie. I I've still man, I don't know what my favorite is this year. I'm going to have to rewatch all of them. Uh, I loved Nope. I loved uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Ryan and I ha- have had an ongoing conversation about I'm, I'm going to try and not uh, spoil anything, but we're having an ongoing conversation about the legalities of some of the the bodies, bodies, bodies that piled up. <laughs>
2: oh, which murders? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't spoil, yeah. we shouldn't spoil a movie that isn't yeah. the topic of the. But uh, which
1: which murders count as murder? Which murders don't? I, it, I, and I mean, if you watch the trailer, we're not spoiling anything that's not in the trailer.
2: That's not entirely true.
1: Shut up, Brian. Yeah, we
0: don't we don't want to ruin anyone's day by discussing something that isn't the movie at hand. But I'll say this. Um, my enjoyment of this film is predicated on the fact that I went in completely blind. Uh, same thing like *Malignant* last year. If I oh, had known I thinking, anything about that, my enjoyment level might have plummeted. But
1: and I see, I think I liked *Malignant* better than I liked this because uh, the, oh, same. As, the the Jalo element of it is more my style uh, than um, like inbred horror. Uh, which is so funny the... because I, I now actually I was writing, I was actually writing a, an inbred horror story, but now I have to go back and actually uh, rewrite bits of it now so I'm not ripping them off.
0: Well, back to the old drawing board.
1: Yep.
2: The, uh, yeah, I, I will say, like, I think that's a generally good... I ended up going to bodies, bodies, bodies specifically because I had been, uh, been spoiled on it and wanted to see how it played out. Mm. <laughs> but I think that, um, it's, it's important. Uh, that one is, I think, you know, I, I definitely strongly recommend it as I noted that I uh, enjoyed it quite a lot, but this movie I enjoyed as well. Uh, I think it is a movie that definitely does, uh, crime crimes against nature crimes deep crimes but uh for but potentially forgivable ones uh in the name of uh having of it, trying to tell a good story there
1: but yeah i was going to say storytelling crimes yes but like some of the cr- actual crimes in the story are kind of unforgivable
0: yeah well there's a lot to like about this let's be honest there's a reason why um there's a reason why people are um, very very high on this movie um there's a lot to like here let's be honest
1: oh yeah I, i'm glad that i didn't know anything going into it
0: yeah the the more blind you are the more i think you'll enjoy this but that's i mean your mileage may vary to be perfectly honest
1: i i will admit that oh that i would probably have a, a difficult time rewatching it uh just because um just for personal reasons well stories, i feel like the oomph rape- well, rape I feel and like torture the oomph is-
0: might go out of, uh, might might be taken out of this, might be taken out a little bit the second time around on a rewatch.
1: Yeah, but even, even just like we said earlier, the, the rape and torture elements, I was like, because at first we were thinking something that it would be something like uh, House of Leaves, where the house ends up being bigger on the inside. And then mm-hmm. it rapidly turned into Room, the horror movie. Uh, uh-
2: Let's, let's end, let's end, uh, on, on maybe on this note. What, uh, what's y'all's take on the name?
0: Well, um, you can tell, uh, that, uh, if you notice, everything happens on Barbary Street. So they're all barbarians.
1: Yeah. And I just figured that the, uh, you know, Frank was a barbarian. Uh.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's your. T- you think it's just referring to his his nature. Oh,
1: that and they're also on Barbary Street, etc. I mean, and barbarian. For, well, oh him. Uh, okay, read Terry Jones's book Barbarians. The barbarians were actually very sophisticated people. Um, it's just that it's just you know the Greeks. The Greeks uh, had didn't like them, and they they did a racism about it. Uh, but you should definitely read Terry Jones's uh, the Barbarians. It's a fantastic book. Um, And yes, it's the same Terry Jones that was in Monty Python because he was a very well-respected historian in his days and documentarian. Um, I feel like his accomplishments in the realm of documentary and history have been overlooked because of his accomplishments as a comedian. Um, But believe me when I say that his, um, his work in other fields is also very good. Uh, especially when he goes to publish he actually he also gets historians to look o- he he got historians to look over his work and make sure that he was doing everything right and point being, Terry Jones was fucking great read the book <laughs> uh, but colloquially colloquially when we talk about barbarians um not historically barbarians um he's just yeah it it they, he de- he definitely and I don't think Like, I don't think the mother necessarily counts because she didn't ask for this. She was born into it. She was molded by, as it were. She became extremely sympathetic toward the end where she just kept saying like, you know, she didn't know any better. She just, you know, her parents were incest upon, like incest all the way down. She didn't know that yeah. She 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 wanted very badly to care for something, but she doesn't I mean she was trapped down there her entire life. She doesn't know what care looks like. The only quote unquote care she ever received was from abusers. It's gonna warp her. It's extremely sympathetic to me. Like I don't know. I thought it was just very sad.
0: Yeah. There's a there's um there's a lot of sadness in this movie and Uh, the fact that the, uh, the, the choice of music to kind of close out the film. Oh, um, geez.
1: Very jarring. But I thought it was effectively jarring at least.
0: Yeah. I feel like this is an effective film on a lot of levels, which contrasts with what we looked at last week with, um, with, uh, Halloween ends, which contrasts with, uh, what they did with Hellraiser the previous week. Um, there's a lot to like here. There's a lot to pull apart. Which um,
1: man, heavy, heavy shit,
0: you guys, heavy shit, heavy shit, and um, pull, pull
2: apart like a man's arm.
0: And I think that's a good place for us to end this week because we're at the end of uh, we're at the end of our time. So I'm not sure what we're, I'm not sure what we're going to be looking at next week, but um,
1: oh well, you know what? There's- um. What was it? The, the it just came out uh, about two days ago. Wendell and Wild. Yeah, Wendell and Wild. Yeah, which I've that, heard. Uh,
0: I've heard interesting things about. So maybe yeah. we'll put that on the slate.
1: Yeah, it's um, uh, you know it's Jordan Peele and uh, Henry Selick. Uh, so I, I I like Henry Selleck. We we had this discussion before about um. Man, I used to love Nightmare Before Christmas until I heard some of the stories about Tim Burton behind the scenes. Yikes, uh, but that's for a different day. But point being I'm really glad to see Henry Selleck being able to work under someone who will not be making the same racist demands that that Tim Burton did. Uh so anyway, I think we should do Wendell and Wild next week. Personally.
0: Well maybe we will. So uh we'll wrap things up and I you know what? Uh this is an interesting film <laughs> to yeah. say the least. It's 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 Gonzo in all the best ways, um, but your mileage may vary. And
1: yeah, and also, I we probably when we post this we need to put up some really big like content warnings too. Oh
0: yeah, I'll I'll, I'll definitely um, do that in the intro where I plug our Patreon as I always do.
1: Yeah, me we, we have a Patreon by the way that you should patronize, everybody. Well, it helps us pay for are um, movies, and for Jake's labor, and also our movies, Um, because movies are not uh, free, and in order for us to keep giving you um, the content that you crave, we need money, specifically yours. Not yours, science expert Ryan Terry.
2: Oh, I'll I'll put my credit card.
1: I mean, if you really want
2: to, I'm not stopping you. <laughs> no, no, no. I, just, I was about to fund a year of podcast, but I'm just just glad to hear I'm off the hook.
0: <laughs> but all you good listeners... night, everybody.
1: <laughs> good night, everyone.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll close it with that. Um, until next time, everybody. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.